listening to Nats Talk on the go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today, with your hosts Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Happy Snowzilla podcast, Craig. Are we going with Snowzilla? Or are we going to go with David Snowy? I had not seen that. I uh, I, I was going off of the the commonly used capital weather gang Snowzilla. I was going off the slate at Eric Holthouse, uh, David Snowy. All right. I, I like them both. Both, I like both, them both. are acceptable. I, I think both are acceptable entirely. Make winter great again. <laughs> I saw that one, and uh, I loved how it was – I think it was a someone with Capital Weather Gang tweeted out when I was, like, halfway through the voting, and he retweeted basically, like, please, God, anything but this. Nice. <laughs> but I think it's actually pretty funny. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. Uh so yeah, I hope you all are enjoying your lovely, lovely uh, snow day. If you are listening live, if not, maybe um, you're listening on the weekend when you still can't leave your house. Yeah, like our friend in England, or I'm sorry, the UK. I'm not sure that he is in England. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not confirmed about what part of the uh, of the Queen's territory he is. He resides in, but uh, shout yeah, out to cool. that guy. Shout out to that guy. Yeah, are you gonna do a shout out to that guy without our our friend's name here? I don't know his name. I just know I, that there's a dude. I know. I'm going to pull it up on the... Joe, uh, I'll just banter. We've got, a, we've got a listener who came to D.C. I think it was 2010 uh, and went to a couple Nats games and somehow, sadly, stumbled upon this uh, abomination of a podcast and now listens and follows us on Twitter and reached out. And that's awesome. Uh, good, good call with the U.K. He, he is Mike Jackson from North Wales. Oh, North Wales. There we go. I love Wales. Cardiff was one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. Yeah. There's a castle in the middle of town. Who doesn't like that? Like, I'm not talking like a little castle. It's not like, meh, there's kind of where the castle is and there's some apartments. No. It's like the grounds and a castle. It's like uh, like William the Conqueror, like 1044 style, you know? <laughs> nice. It's nice. awesome. So anyway, shout out to that dude from North Wales uh very awesome we love hearing from you guys at nets talk on the go on twitter uh i'm enjoying some snow that's for sure it's i think i've got over three inches here i've just had some soup for dinner uh, i'm gonna watch empire strikes back uh nice. after we record so nice you know, I've, I've got some drink nice well stocked so yeah i'm pretty good how about yourself you know it's fine you it's i i got home from work uh you know set up set up shop at the uh at the Drugan Casa. I've already shoveled once. I'm not I'm not back breaking. I refuse to back break in this situation. So I've shoveled once. We had about I don't know, about probably about two inches up in the driveway as of like six PM. So uh then uh there's obviously more out there now. So I'll uh I'll go out and do get my shovel on after we're done recording and then I'll 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 do one more before bedtime later. Okay, real quick. Fang, I was really close, okay? Like, oh, he corrected 20, you on the. I see that now. Twenty-two years, a thousand years ago. Come on, dude. Yeah. Hey. Come on. It's it's not it's not bad. It's not bad. Thank you. All right. So yeah, uh, we we really just decided. I don't know about you, but when we talked about doing this, we we talked about doing this a couple of days ago uh, when we saw the forecast. Because what better time to spend some time talking about baseball than uh, when you can't do anything else? Yes, <laughs> but. Uh, I was actually um, mostly inclined to do it today because I'd I'd really like Yoannis Cespedes to do something. Yes, 
I don't really care what. Either, either <laughs> way, I mean, yeah, love to have him in D.C. That'd be nice. Yeah. District Taco, it's fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, this will be a good jinx for him to finally make a decision. Yeah, well, I, I love how when we said we're going to record it, like, at least a half dozen people were like, oh, hey, it, it, you know, we know the decision will be made by 9 o'clock because that's Talk on the Coast recording at 7. So that's well, which is good because we'll have plenty of time tomorrow to get on and record for twenty minutes if it does happen. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, if 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 I have power. Yeah, that, I mean that's always valid. I what mean, what is it? Fourteen inches by four a.m. Yeah, it's going to be a lot, and like in eight, eighteen inches or something by seven. Yeah, that's good. My dog's going to love that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. All of you, all of you dog owners, who I'm jealous of. Yeah, you should be jealous. I am. Well, let's let's not uh, delay any further before spending a little time talking about uh, Mr. Cespedes from Cuba. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about him. Um, reports came out in the last couple of days that I think it was three days ago the Nationals were interested in uh, the slugger from Cuba uh, and have actually tendered an offer of around five years, one hundred million dollars. It sounds like. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the reports coming out of, I think, both John Heyman and uh, Ken Rosenthal. Yeah, and the Mets have not, I want to say, not offered more than three years, but there's discussion of a one year with an opt-out, which I don't see the point. Or A, a, a three-year three with a, an opt-out, opt-out after. after one. Yes, yes, yes. That's, that's what I meant. Um, don't really see the point in that. It's going to be a one-year deal if there's an opt-out because everyone always opts out. It's always going to be a thing. Yeah. Um, it would be pretty much the first time in history that a player his age, I want to say he's pushing 30. Um, Who's Cespedes? Cespedes. He's 30. He's 30. Yep. So he's really pushing 30. Yep. Um, because yeah, he, because he, he's north of it. He has pushed 30. Yeah. Um, that he forgoes a five-year deal for a one-year deal, it seems like dumb. Well, <laughs> it, it, it's the same thing we've talked about before when we talked about Ian Desmond. It's the it's the betting on yourself thing. It's the I'm going to have a better year in 2016 than I did in 15, which seems unlikely. But he's saying that I think that I can do that, and if I can if I can do that, then I can get a big deal with a much weaker outfield free agent class in 2016 and see if I can get my payday uh, since it obviously didn't come this year. It's, it's interesting to think. And I don't know. A hundred million, a hundred million dollars, 20 million a year is pretty good payday. It's a lot of money. I mean, yeah, I know they're, they're doing uh, the Nats are looking deferred money. Scherzer style, not yeah. quite Chris Davis style. Who's going to be getting, Paid till he's 51. Yeah, I was going to say 30, 20, 30 something, right? Yeah, yeah, something insane like that until he's yeah. 51. But anyway, deferred money obviously takes the yearly value down and there's no interest on that money. Um, but still, that's some guaranteed security well into his uh, later years, his less productive contract years. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see a player of his age. Uh, I mean, what if he gets injured? What if he has a first half like Ian Desmond, exactly like you said? I mean, yeah. He's really, if he doesn't take this deal with the Nationals, which I find it very surprising that an agent who would be getting somewhere around 10% of that deal right. would say, you know what? No, 
take that three year with a one year opt out. Yeah. Let's not take that. I don't actually want ten million dollars right now. Right. Yeah, I, that yeah. I mean that's a it's it's a hard decision. Cespedes, I think, seems like the kind of guy that would just do something because it's the thing he wants to do. Um, and I'm not saying that based on any sort of knowledge about the person. It's just I, I've read people, you know, in the nose say things like that. It's like it could speak a lot to his character. He might just be like, you know what, I want to do this, and that's what it's good, how it's going to be. He'd be a, th- a free agent at 33 if he stuck around for the three-year deal, if he had a really down 2016 instead of 35, which would basically, you know, be a – be a, an end of career contract that he would get at the end of a, a five-year deal. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting decision on his part. Um, I hope he makes it soon. Yeah, uh, it seems like I, I read an article, and I don't know how much uh, there is to it. Um, there are some people close to Cespedes or have been around Cespedes that say that he likes being the guy. Right. That that's a thing that's important to him. Whereas if he came to um, DC, obviously Bryce well, Harper. Is, and yeah. I think you could make an argument that there'd be like four guys that were the guy above him. Right. Um, so that would definitely not be. That would definitely not be in the uh, in in the wheelhouse if that's something that he wants. And he would definitely be getting that in New York outside of you know David Wright. Yeah, it's. Um... That's an interesting wrinkle. If that's the case, yeah. But obviously that shows more selfishness. Yeah. Which you want to see out of a player. You want to see, you know, you want them to believe that they are the best and that no one is better than them. But you also want them to be a member of a team. And that's not to say anything about whether this report is actually a real thing or not. But that has been reported that he wants to be the guy where he actually would be. And he was. Uh, up until the NLCS when uh, current Nat, Daniel Murphy, kind of took over uh, for right. him. But he would actually be actually behind the MVP instead of the pretend MVP um, that Mets fans thought he was. Um, it's an interesting thing because he's got five years, $100 million, as reported on the table from a team that could very well win – the National League East. Yep. Um, the Mets really need to bank on that magic coming back uh, without Daniel Murphy. Yeah. Uh, the, they've got the, the pitching, but the right Mets now, are not much really, else. They're in a, the Mets are in a remarkable situation because you, you went to the World Series. You won the NL pennant in 2015. And not saying that they're not going to be good. I still think they're going to be fine because their pitching is incredibly incredibly good but they did nothing else i mean they just kind of were like all right we're good here and they didn't do anything else they let daniel murphy get away whether they wanted to sign him who by all accounts daniel murphy also wanted to go back to new york but he waited too long and that didn't end up happening and then uh you know cespedes may want to go back but they may not be willing to offer the years they're not offering the years for other they didn't offer the years for other guys um, they did pick up a middle infielder, and I'm drawing a blank on who it was. No, they've definitely solidified up the middle. But yeah, I don't. I for, I just. I'm, I'm realizing now that I'm talking about it that they did something up the middle, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Um, but their offense has gotten markedly worse, and if they lose Cespedes, uh, it's going to get even worse. And 
you've seen what happens when teams try and rely on pitching and pitching alone. Sometimes it doesn't work too well when you can only <laughs> yeah. score one or two runs. Yeah, that's a, that's a real thing. So, um, yeah, the interesting thing is what happens to the Nationals in 2016 if Cespedes, I'm going to go ahead and say, comes to his senses as a money-making person uh, and signs the deal with the Washington Nationals. Um, what happens to the Nats? There's... Who plays where? Who goes where? Does any? Is there a secondary move? Is there a tertiary move? I nice. honestly just wanted to say tertiary. I knew it. I know. I know. I just know you. Um, I there are a lot of really interesting things that can come of it. I, I think that Ascab. Yeah, Ascab. Oh yeah, that's right. He yeah, as Dribble Cabrera is who went to New York. I I knew that there was somebody. Thank you. Thank you, the Baron. Ah, nice. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Uh, so I think there are a lot of things that could happen. I think the uh, likeliest, first of all, I want to say this, and I've been saying this and I believe it. If Asdrubal, God, see now, if UNS Cespedes signs in DC, um, these things have a tendency of working themselves out. I, yeah. you, you, get, you put together the best 25 players that you possibly can put together because believe it or not, it's not just the nine guys on the field that matter. There are 25 people on a major league roster. What? I know. But it doesn't just matter what the starting lineup is. It matters what kind of depth that the team has in a whole bunch of different positions. And as a general rule, uh, even the, you look beyond the 25-man roster and you look at the five, six guys below that that provide organizational depth because at some point during the season, you're going to have to call up somebody for basically every position on the field. It's just the way that a 162-game baseball season works. So if the Nationals go out and get Cespedes, I do not believe at, in any, under any circumstances the Nationals have to make a trade. Right. I think it's insane to say, oh, they have Cespedes, so they have to get rid of Jason Worth, or they have to get rid of Ben Revere, who just got here, or you have to try to move Michael Taylor. I think any of those moves would be remarkably ridiculous because injuries happen, and you right. still need organizational depth, and Michael Taylor still could use minor league at-bats. So there are a whole lot of options there that I think make more sense than making – any sort of trade for anybody currently on the roster. Yeah, it definitely goes back to, I know we've talked about it before, but I believe uh, former pitching coach uh, Steve McCaddy, uh, now Lake County pitching coach Steve yes. McCaddy, said you really need eight major league quality starting pitchers to start the season because yep. there will be injuries and there will be double headers that need starts and that kind of thing. And I want to say it was uh, Andrew Flax at Andrew Flax TNB who said that in the last two years, the Nationals' fourth outfielder uh, on the depth chart got over 400. It might have even been over 500 plate appearances. I know that Mark Zuckerman tweeted about okay. having four or five, uh, fourth or fifth outfielders getting 500 plate appearances the last two years. Okay, it must have been Zuck then. Sorry, Andrew, it wasn't you. Um, oh, the fact that they're playing on the same level is cool. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, not bad at all. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it just goes to show that depth is so important. Um, and what happens in the outfield doesn't need to be – it won't be a permanent thing. And there could be a four, even a five-man outfield rotation. But let's simplify it a little bit. What do you – if 
you know, hypothetically, that Nationals do get Suspetta's signature on the contract. What is the opening day outfield? I mean, if Suspetta is on the team and you sign him for a $100 million contract, it would stand to reason that you find a place for him on opening day. Now, yes. I know that the conversation on Twitter is that oh, well, obviously Jason Worth isn't going to start because that seems to be like the common misconception, which makes no sense. If if you're going to start the $100 million guy, you definitely start the $127 million guy. So uh, I think it probably ends up being Worth and left, Cespedes in center, and Harper in right. If if Cespedes is on the team with Revere on the bench and... Uh, that's assuming health. Again, that's the whole point of what I was saying before. But I think that would be how I would guess it would end up. Right. What um, about you? Uh, I honestly don't know. Um, I, I mean, yeah. I, that, I, that makes sense to me. Uh, Worth's health is the main thing. Which player right. is Worth? Um, and, you know, at the age that he is, I want to say he's 37. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he could pick up a knock in spring t- training, anything like that. But... Um, yeah, well, I, he's he's thirty six, um, but age thirty seven season. Uh, yeah, May twentieth. So age okay, yeah, season. age thirty seven season. Yeah. Um, so I would probably I Suspedis in uh, center field terrifies the crap out of me. Oh, it's not good. Um, <laughs> so I would much rather, and nothing against Jason Worth because I love Jason Worth, but I would much rather see Suspedis Suspedis Cespedes. Cespedes in left, uh, Ben Revere in center, and then Bryce Harper, of course, in right field. Uh, to start, I just think that would help the lineup flow just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, as well, the, the offensive lineup, it would help uh, a lot, I think, having Ben Revere's speed in there uh, more so. But, uh, yeah, how do you bench a player that's due $42 million in the next two years who's been there through tough times, who's been such a team leader? It's a really tough call. And I'm not saying that Jason Worth would be the fourth outfielder, but I'm saying it would be uh, Ben Revere, um, Jason Worth, 3A, 3B kind of thing, um, where you would see Harper in center maybe. You would see uh, Cespedes in center uh, sometimes. And when that wasn't the case, it would be Ben Revere. I think that that's ultimately the point. Like the, the whole point that you had to make going into it is like, yeah, this is all considering that Jason Worth is healthy and you don't know, or for, the, for that matter, Bryce Harper is healthy, which you don't know. He, Bryce Harper is just coming off of his first fully healthy season ever. So it, it's, you never know what's going to happen and the more depth that you could have. And I think that if you end up signing Cespedes and, and he comes to DC, yeah, you have, you have a bit of a log jam there, but that doesn't mean that you can't get guys the time that they need. And that doesn't mean that injuries aren't going to happen. So I, you know, Bryce Harper, if he's healthy, plays a hundred. You know, as many games as he's. Oh, you're not going to sit Bryce Harper. He's not going to let you sit Bryce Harper. Well, and no. Dusty Dusty Baker wouldn't sit Bryce Harper. No, and he's not going to sit, and he shouldn't. He's an MVP. I'm not saying you sit him. I'm just saying he sits as many games. Like there were a couple of games in 2015 that he sat because he was banged up. Right. Not because he never was on the disabled list, but he was a little yeah. banged up, and so he he missed a couple of games because he got hit hit in the whatever in the back or whatever ended up happening. So I think that. Um, 
that those are the kind of situations that I'm talking about. And enough of those happen that you can get a fourth outfielder enough plate appearances. And I, I pulled up the tweet just so I can get it right from Zuckerman. Uh, each of the last four years, Nats have given 500 plus plate appearances to fourth and fifth outfielders. Everyone will get their playing. Last four years? The last four seasons. God, that's depressing. That, this was the whole impetus for signing Nate McClough. That was the whole reason to spend to spend twenty million dollars on a on a fourth outfielder because of that, and then your fourth outfielder got hurt. Yeah. But you know that's the whole reason that you do that. These things tend to work themselves out. The only season that I can remember, but I think it was the two thousand twelve season when the Nationals, you know, won ninety eight games. The pitching rotation was healthy all year, and it was the most remarkable thing ever because it never ever happens. Yeah, those kinds of things don't happen. You you figure in for serious injuries during the year. And that's why I'm not worried about it. I don't think the Nationals will make a single move if they end up getting Cespedes because I don't so, think they have to. So you don't buy into the fact that the Nationals will say package. And I know uh, at Nationals 101 made this deal. Uh, Michael A. Taylor, A.J. Cole for Jonathan Lucroy. You don't think there's any need to do that or you don't think it will happen? I would love to see Jonathan Lucroy on the Nats. Um, so I'm not going to say there's no need to do it. I think that that... Who, you, it was Taylor and who? Taylor and AJ Cole. That's compelling. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think that's compelling from the Nationals' perspective. That said, uh, I would say that Michael A. Taylor has a lot of team control. Um, he has an incredible amount of team control. Yeah, and Lucroy does not. Um, like, I don't know. That's hard because I think AJ Cole is going to end up being what I always expected him to be some, a reliever of some sort. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter. Um, but man, that that's so Luke Roy. I'm sorry. I was just looking up. Luke Roy is under contract for 15 with an option year for, or uh, I'm sorry, under contract for 16 with an option year for 17. So <clears throat> the nationals would have him for two years, but a very, very controllable center fielder. And then uh, I don't know. Certainly a top 10 prospect. I would imagine Cole would still be on that level of a top 10 prospect. Maybe not. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Um, he might have aged out. Yeah. Uh, the the Nats blog uh, prospect review, which is available on the natsblog.com, has AJ Cole at number seven. Uh, that's Well, there we go. Zach's the man. So, yeah, I wanted to tease that a little bit. But um, there was... That's a that's a hard decision, but I think there'd be a lot of benefit to it. I wouldn't be against it. Uh, but there's a thing that you have to remember with making that kind of move. And yes, there, there are seasons in the future, and I don't know what the free agent market is in 2017. I, I, I know what it is in 2016, but or, yeah, after 2016, I don't know what it looks like after 2017. Unless, is after 2017 the year? Yes. That is the year, isn't it? The year. So... Um, I would say I'm I'm really I'm sitting on this one. You're uh, struggling. You're I'm on struggling. Struggle bus. I would say that getting Lucroy for two years is valuable enough that 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 giving up those two pieces would probably be worth it, but only for like Lucroy, not for something uh, that would be any less than that. Yeah. Um, I, I get. I guess the the main point I was really trying to get at is: Do you see a need to trade Michael A. Taylor? I don't see a need to trade Michael A. Taylor. I think that if you, I mean, no, there is no need at all to trade Michael A. Taylor. Very controllable, has options. There's no need at all. Two, if you can get a 
one arguably one of the best catchers in major league baseball for him, then you put him on the table. That's, That's how I feel about it. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. What, what do you think? Um, I think right now, Michael A. Taylor is a bonus. Yeah. Uh, he has what I want to say less than 70, maybe 75 triple a plate appearances yeah he doesn't he hasn't much had much time uh he's got options there's no need to get rid of him right now uh obviously we've discussed ad nauseum we know uh ballpark what kind of player we think he will end up being um and but there's value in that and there's no reason to give that up right now especially when there is a uh a catching tandem of Ramos and Lobatone that is good. Yes, it is. Like yes, if, it is. if Ramos is hurt, which happens every single year, Lobatone is a very suitable replacement. And there were actually many calls at towards the middle of last season that said Lobatone should be the starter. And I think on a lot of major league baseball teams, Jose Lobatone would be the starting catcher. So I think there's no need to go out and chase uh, a catcher who had a very down 2015 in Jonathan Lucroy and give up uh, a center fielder with team control for years and years, a phenomenally gifted defensive center fielder with some yep. pop. I don't think there's any need to give up a player like that. And AJ Cole, who could very well end up, um, you know, an eighth inning guy, a ninth inning guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I could go either way on it. I think if you can get Lucroy for, I guess, giving up Cole along with with Taylor is a lot. Yeah, another player with eons of team control. Yeah, but you know, one or the other, and an org guy could make it more compelling, probably. Yeah, yeah I just don't. I don't see the point. Um, I don't think the catching situation is as bad as everyone says or everyone thinks. Um, I think you're probably right about that. I I. I mean, I I really like Jose Lobatone. He's a, he's a switch hitting catcher with plus 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 defensive ability. Yeah, I mean, he, dude, he, dude can frame a pitch exactly. And until robot umpires come around, then you know, right? So I don't know. I don't I don't get it. I don't see the point as much. Um, I don't think I I'm fine with stashing Michael A. Taylor in the minors for a little bit if, for some reason, Cespedes Cespedes, gosh, signs. Um, <laughs> It's it's Roark, not Rourke. It's Cespedes, yeah, not Cespedes. Cespedes, whatever. Um, I've been drinking, clearly. Um, <laughs> Get it together, Craig. I'm so sorry. No, I, I just don't see a reason to uh, trade players within team control that can add value years and years down the road uh, for a catcher when there's really not a desperate need at catcher. It's not like, you know, bullpen yeah. or anything. I agree. Yeah. So I, I I understand that. I I just I I know a lot of people uh in in Natstown are a big fan of Jonathan Lucroy and I really like Jonathan Lucroy. I just the, the I think the reason I was stuttering and hesitating on it so much is just the the Cole and Taylor for Lucroy thing seems like a lot. Yeah, it's it's a definite it's it's a, it's a whole lot. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of team control for two years of a catcher that had a really bad year. Uh, well, not a really bad, really down for him year. 
yeah. uh, in 2015. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, but, so, but one or the other of them and an org guy makes it more compelling and I might be willing to, to make that kind of move. But especially if it's coal. <laughs> yeah, well, especially if it's coal, for sure. Um, um, one of my favorite theories going around about this whole uh, Cespedes signing, the National League is in a place right now where the designated hitter is closer than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could happen as soon as 2017 after the next collective bargaining agreement. Um, I'm sure this is going to come across as a hashtag hot take. I'm okay with it. It's overdue. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, well, I know. Of course we, you are. We talked about it last, last year. I know we, we spent part of an episode talking about, it. I don't know if it was during the season or in the off season, but I know we've talked about it before. And yeah, I think we're both kind of on the same page. Like it's one of those things where having a league that ultimately ends up playing each other for a championship with a different set of rules is pretty dumb. And at some point, like you, you find a middle ground and the players union is obviously going to like it because it's going to employ more of their guys for more of the year. Um, at least theoretically, because you're going to be able to keep hitters in the, in the, in the lineup more. And, you know, pitchers are going to be less likely to get hurt because they're not going to, at least while they're not pitching, because they don't have to hit and run. Um, so there's definitely a lot of advantages from a collective a collective bargaining agreement standpoint. I know there's going to be a lot of people who are really angry about that, but uh, a lot of people were really angry when the AL came about it too. And now most, you know, nobody, in, nobody that's the fan of an AL team's complaining. Right. So, and we're in an extreme pitching era right now. Yes. Uh, Which by the way, I love cause I fucking love pitching. I love but pitching as well. Most people do not. <laughs> but we're at a point where the numbers look kind of like they were back when Bob Gibson was absolutely dominating and they lowered the mound. Right. Like, right. The numbers are that extreme. Like, right. it's I mean, not really an exaggeration that offense is down so much that, you know, the last time offense was down this much, they changed the way that baseball diamonds were constructed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and when you go and, and you look at, uh, at numbers, there have been more no hitters and perfect games in the last, what, five or six years than there had been in the previous 20 something. Yeah. I mean, it's just that that's, there is an ebb and flow to baseball, but typically during that ebb and flow, uh, Major League Baseball decides to change something because right. there's only so much time that that can go. This isn't a thing that's been going on for a year. This has been a long, a long thing since the end of the era of PD, PEDs that pitching has just started to dominate. Right. And I'm, I'm as big a fan of the strategy of the National League as anyone, but it's gotten... Oh, to, me too. I love it. Yeah. It's gotten to be a point where it's kind of gotten painful to watch how little pitchers care i mean you'll you'll get the the rare pitcher up there like geo gonzalez who's gonna max scherzer too max scherzer as well steven strasberg who's got a silver slugger um you've seen some pitchers out there who really try zach grinke uh madison bumgarner who actually uh, what is it madison bumgarner has more home runs per plate appearance hitting than he has giving up as a pitcher yeah, that sounds right because he's insanely good. Yeah, something crazy like that. Yeah. So there are the rare exceptions. Bartolo um, Colon, which is always a treat. Right. But there are also a vast larger number yeah. of pitchers that go up there and stand there with a bat on their shoulder and it's an easy out. Like you get you get these situations where you have a, you know, something happens and a reliever has to hit and he literally stands with his heels on the chalk and like just like stands there and doesn't move and goes and sits down. 
we saw it last year in a nationals game. I don't remember if it was a nationals pitcher or an opposing team pitcher, but you know, it happens and it's, it's just, it belittles the game. And I, I, my argument was always like the same kind of thing, right? The gamesmanship of, you know, do I pull my pitcher? Do I, do I do the whole thing? And somebody made an argument and I, I totally, it, it kind of didn't change my opinion on it, but it definitely opened my eyes to it. Like if Buck Showalter or Joe, you know, or Joe Madden, when he was with Tampa Bay had to pull a pitcher, is it really, I understand that you have a pitcher spot coming up. So you have to burn a guy. And so it makes it a little more complicated, but it's still pretty complicated for a manager to decide if he wants to pull a pitcher in the middle of an inning. I mean, right. it's it might still a actually, very difficult decision. It might actually show that the manager has to pay attention more to exactly how the pitcher is throwing. Exactly. Rather than just saying, well, his spot's coming up, so I got to leave him in there because right. otherwise then I'm, I'm going to burn an extra guy. So Right. So it might, you know, I've heard that argument that it actually might be more strategic because you have to be more in tune with, uh, with the pitcher and the entire staff. Um, and how they're doing than with the NL where it's, oh, the situation requires me that I have to make this change. Because yeah, looking at the players I, on the field rather than just the overall situation of because, what's happening. Yeah, because I have a runner on first, although he's at 80 pitches, I have a runner on, or I have a runner on second and I need to get him home. You know? Right, right. So uh, I'm for the DH uh, on the record in the National League. I'm for it. Uh, which, like I said, adds another wrinkle into the whole uh, Cespedes signing. Um, that would, if it happened in 2017, where the National League had the DH, you wouldn't worry about four outfielders. You could have Ben Revere playing center field. You could have Bryce Harper in right. You could have Cespedes in left. And you could have Jason Worth, you know, taking care of his body and hitting DH. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of options there. It's Ryan like, Zimmerman. Not, not to mention that you have Jason Worth, whose contract is going to be ending at the time that the collective bargaining agreement's up, and Bryce Harper, whose contract's ending. Right. So you, you're not going to have this very deep outfield. If you sign Cespedes in two years, you'll have Michael A. Taylor and Cespedes. That's going to be your outfield. <laughs> you know, obviously you're going to get other people and things are going to happen, but I'm saying of people on the team right now, it's not that this long-term depth exists. It's, you know, we're no longer in the, in the times where, you know, Bryce Harper is controllable for a very long time. And Jason Worth's on this really long deal. He's coming to the end of that deal. And Bryce Harper's, you know, rookie contracts almost up. Yeah. So there are, and the designated hitter just adds another interesting little piece to that. Yeah, I'm for the DH. I think it should happen. I think it's time. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm indifferent to the yeah. DH. I, I, I'm not for the DH. I'm not against the DH. I think that when it inevitably happens, because it's going to inevi- inevitably yeah, it's, happen. It's going to happen in the next five years, whether we like it or not. For sure. So I think, I think it'll be fine. I think there are a lot of people going to be really pissed about it, and they're going to pretend that they're not going to watch baseball, but then they're going to watch baseball anyway, because you're not going to stop watching baseball. So... Um, I dig the long ball. Yeah, exactly. I, I do dig the long, long ball. Um, but I also like pitching. And so I think, but I think that once you have two leagues that are kind of like on the same, same field of play, if you will, then nice. it kind of changes the way that everything is, can, is looked at. I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. I, I, I'm just indifferent to it. So I guess that means that I'm for it because I'm not one of the people that's like, oh my God, it'd be the worst thing that ever happened to baseball. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's I obviously got, not. Pretty sure I just got disowned by my brother for saying that. So no, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. 
Um, uh, and uh, real quick, uh, sorry, Michelle, uh, Jason Worth will not be playing first base. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't. This is my so. Here's my thing about first base, right? Like people inevitably think like a player's <laughs> old, a player's old, and he's aging, so immediately he <laughs> can take first base. Like that's not how it works. And there are a lot of people who who immediately assume that. But like, okay, Buster Posey was a catcher who had a nearly career-ending type injury, so he plays a little bit of first base. Joe Maurer you know, catchers in, in a lot of situations end up going and playing some first base just because there's only a certain amount of time that your knees can handle doing what they do until you have to stand up a little bit. But those are, but they're guys that can, that can pick, pick a ball in the dirt they can, and they can stretch and they can do things. They, they do well in those situations, but Ryan Zimmerman moving from third base to first base. Yes, there is an adjustment, but he was routinely picking balls coming at him off of a dirt off of infield that he's familiar with. It makes a difference, but just to have a guy that, you know, is not a good fielder and then in his aging or whatever, and then saying you're going to move them to first base because they're not a good baseball player. Uh, they're much better off in left field than it, they are at first base. It reminds me of Aaron Sorkin's classic movie, Moneyball, wherein Brad Pitt is meeting with uh, Andy Dwyer, Scott Hatterberg. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to move you from catcher to first base. He's like, I never played first base. And Brad Pitt says, oh, it's easy. It's no problem at all. And the guy playing Ron Washington goes, it's incredibly hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> that's it, what it reminds me of. It's, it's not an easy position. You can't just put someone there. Exactly. And that's not to say Jason Worth couldn't learn the position, but he would be, must be, he would be much better off staying in left field where he could do the least possible amount of damage. Because you put your worst fielder in left field. That's where yes. you. That's where you put him. You it just. That's just always the way it works. You put your best fielder in left field, and, or a, or a DH, <laughs> or, or a DH. Right. But the current and the current setup of the Washington Nationals. That's you know. You put your worst fielder in left field. Yes, and, I I know you were thinking when Ryan's room gets hurt, Michelle. I understand, but that's but what, that's what Clint Robinson's for. That's what Clint Robinson and Tyler Moore are for. Exactly. Yeah. I I totally or Daniel Murphy for that matter. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are just a lot more – man, Danny Espinosa played there last year, and I'd be more comfortable than Jason Worth playing. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that Danny Espinosa is not nearly tall enough. <laughs> he is short, but he has a yeah. good beard. And yes, good, he does. He has good hats. Yeah, yes, he does. Um, so, so ultimately, uh, to, to round up before we get into questions, because I, I do want to get into those questions, um, are you – where do you think Cespedes ends up, and when do you think it happens? I think uh, he is going to stay in New York, um, and I think it happens this weekend. Yeah, I, I think he's going. Okay, so I obviously agree. So I think he's of gonna, course you do. He's going to stay with the Mets, so I'm going to have to change it up. I think that uh, he signs um, on Saturday by 4 p.m. Nice. So I'll get a little more specific then, at least. When everyone around here has lost power. So, exactly. exactly. So we and can't cannot, go crazy. And cannot see what's happening. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Any other, uh, any other things um, before we do questions? I, I think there's a question that actually uh, applies almost to this situation. So maybe we could start with that one. Okay. Um, I don't have it in front of me. Maybe you do. Um, it's something along the lines of the clubhouse issues that, Oh yeah. So prevented. Beth, yeah. Beth sent us a message said, 
uh, are, have clubhouse basically have clubhouse issues been a factor in missing out on free agents? How much of this do you think is real versus the easy explanation? If real, what are the theories as to what those theories are or what those reasons are? Excuse me. You want to so, go first? No, go ahead. Take it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, drop Occam's razor on everyone. Okay. Uh, the simplest solution is usually the one that's right. Yeah. Uh, when you, it, it's a, it's a popular doctor trope. Um, when you hear horses, think horses, not zebras. Yeah. Um, so if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck and acts like a duck, it's probably a duck. And I'm just trying to say, if it looks like clubhouse issues are a thing, they're probably a thing. Yeah, I mean, Ben Zobrist, in his interviews about the Nationals' offer, he specifically mentioned clubhouse issues. He said, I, did not, I do not feel comfortable in that clubhouse. He literally said that. And that's probably due to the fact that one player choked another player and really got off with a slap on the wrist. And in, in public. Yes. Uh, it, it makes it very uh, – it's a questionable set of circumstances. It, it's – I I agree with the sentiment. I was I wouldn't I wasn't going to put it that way, but um, I do think it's definitely a factor. I think that when you look at uh, a just a not even just the clubhouse issue was around Jonathan Papelbon. Just it was very obvious and was reported widely nationally in the baseball world in 2015 that the Nationals organization was a clusterfuck. The 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 manager had no control. He didn't know what was going on. He, you know, they, they have a new manager, but, you know, the, the hierarchy above that manager is still the same. Yes. And, and when you're looking to sign a, you know, a long-term deal and you have com- comparable deals within a couple million dollars between different cities, and then you consider the fact that some of those cities offer better tax situations than coming to D.C., then all of a sudden you go, well, it's really going to be about the same amount of money. That situation's, and even if that's a, you know, a couple million dollars more, we're talking tens and tens if, and occasionally hundreds in the case of uh, Jason Hayward, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and you say, well, I don't want to be in that situation. This is about the same amount of money and I'm going to go and play for Joe Madden and Theo Epstein. Oh, that sounds better. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And, and it's hard to blame them in that situation. And it's coming off of a particularly rough year. I, I don't know that it, if it speaks to total organizational dysfunction or a bad year. I think only time will tell uh, of that, but uh, I think that I think there's something to it. And I think to dismiss it as, Oh, well, you know, that's those, it happens in every clubhouse or whatever. Well, we're not hearing about it. So this is a thing that everybody's hearing about and it's on a big national stage and players are hearing about it and they care about it. So, yeah. Um, um, I I think it's a big deal. Yeah. A lot of people would say it's the quote, lazy narrative. Yeah. Um, I don't think it is because, everyone's writing about it. Everyone's discussed the dysfunction within the national clubhouse from sports illustrated to the Washington post to everyone in between. It's really, it's a problem. There are a lot of people who could write a lot of things with lazy narrative. If you can say that a guy like Barry Sferluga is writing things that are, that have lazy narrative, you haven't read baseball writing because he's very good at it. And he is pointedly, has pointedly made excellent references to a lot of issues that he would certainly have the knowledge of knowing from being in that clubhouse during the course of a year. So, I mean, yeah, 
I mean, He's, Barry's for Luca is not taking the lazy narrative. Maybe your your shock jock on ESPN is, but Barry's for Luca is not. And if you look at it at the end of the day, we could see Jason Hayward, Ben Zobrist, and Ioannis Cespedes turn down more money from the Washington Nationals to sign elsewhere, regardless of where, regardless of situation. Turning down more money, which rarely happens in professional sports, yeah, to stay out of Washington. To yeah. not come here. They're taking less money to not come here. That's once once is a fluke. Twice is meh. Yeah. Three times is... Three times in one off season. Yeah. So... In I one was, winter. I would say there's a problem there. And I would say it's, you know, the perception of the clubhouse. Because I'm going to say perception because obviously you or I are both not in the clubhouse. And we don't actually know. We just know what's reported. But... The perception of the public and the perception of apparently other players is that there is a massive amount of dysfunction uh, between the Nationals front office and within the clubhouse itself. So, uh, yeah, Beth, I really – I do think it's an issue, and I don't know how you address it. Uh, hopefully a good well, season with Dusty Baker at the helm. Exactly. I think part of do how it. you address it – part of how you address it is you fire the manager and you and you clean house on the staff, which is exactly what they did outside of what Shu and Bob Henley. Um, So I think they, they made a move in the right direction. Um, But now it's a matter of whether or not things, things appear better after the 2016 season to see uh, if the team can continue to be competitive on the, uh, on the free agent market in the future or whether or not more changes need to be made. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So I'm going to go on to Michelle's question. She's asked a few other ones, but we talked about those at length during the show. So uh, she wants to know if Papelbon can rehab his image and will it take Bryce being his BFF? Uh, No, he can't because he never had a good image in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To rehab your image, you have to have had a good image at some point during your career and he never has. Yeah. So, um, you just hope they can deal with it and that it won't turn into a big thing. I think that he's going to, if, if, and when, and I think it's when he is, he closes his first game at nationals park in 2016, he is going to get mercilessly destroyed and booed. And I think as the year goes on, if he pitches well, the fans will be indifferent. I don't yeah. think that they will ever come around. I think they'll, they'll cheer at the end of a win, not for Papelbon, but for the win. And I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that any photo op or hangout with, with Bryce Harper is going to, to fix that at this point. It'll be very much like Soriano. No one cared about the untuck. No yeah. one cared. Yeah. It was just the, a game was won. Yep. And that was what mattered. Uh, Molly asks, and we kind of talked about it, but it could be relevant to a bunch of other uh, places on the field. Uh, who might be traded away before spring, tra- spring training? She asks, in other words, would a Michael Trailer jersey be a huge mistake? Uh, so I'll say the Michael, Michael Taylor jersey would not be a huge mistake, I, I don't think. He could very well be traded, but at the same time, I don't think he will be. And I think that he's going to be in the organization for a little while. Also, really good guy. So, you know, you can't go, you can't go wrong with buying a Michael Taylor jersey. I would ho- I would hold off on a Michael Taylor jersey, um, yeah, just because of the uncertainty. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm just saying you can't you can't go wrong because he's a good guy. But like, yeah, wait wait until April. Yeah, um, see what see what happens. Honestly, right now, if I were to buy a jersey, who would I buy? I would probably buy a Max Scherzer jersey. Yeah, that that would be the jersey to buy at the moment. I think. 
as much as I adore Anthony Rendon, yeah. I equal I here's the thing. I adore Max Scherzer and his wife. <laughs> yeah. As a team, the the two is better than the one Anthony Rendon. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a good. Po- they are a good power DC couple in all the best senses of the word. Yes. Um. So yeah, I'm a fan. I think I think Rendon would, is a, is always a good purchase. It doesn't matter what ends up happening. Ryan Zimmerman is always a good jersey purchase. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is going to be good no matter what happens in a couple of years, but he's still around in a couple of years. He won an MVP in DC. That's a good purchase as well. Yeah. Uh, but if you're committed to Michael A. Taylor, I wholly support that. But yeah, maybe wait till April. Yep. Um. And then on the other question, any other thoughts on somebody that you might think uh, could get uh, his trade papers before opening day? Any any thoughts on any other moves that could be made? Who else could be traded? Um, the only other player that could be traded that won't be traded is Jason Worth. Yeah. He won't be traded. There's no one – I mean, the Nationals would have to eat $30 million, and it, it's just not going to happen because – I don't think they want to trade Jason Worth. He's such a great clubhouse guy. Yeah. But that's the only other person that I think the Nationals would feel the need to trade, if that makes sense. Yep. I don't see the need to trade him, obviously, as we discussed. But he is one of them. Maybe no one's going to take Pavel Vaughn. No. So, I mean, I think the most likely, and by most likely, I mean like 5% would be Jason Worth. Yeah, the only caveat that I would add to that is if they do end up deciding to make a trade for uh, a guy like guy, a guy like Lucroy, they'd have to put together a package. And in that case, I think Ramos would definitely go um, because what else is your option? I think that you would. I think I think that in general, uh, Lobatone, who is a better defensive catcher, makes a better backup of if if they decide to move for a catcher. That would be my only little piece of piece of change yeah um on, on that note yeah um carl asks uh if we sign cespedes how do we package taylor to get andrew miller and my answer would be uh taylor is not the answer to that request uh yeah. I, I think that it would require something along the lines of like uh i don't know not giolito but like robles <laughs> yeah like uh, Way more than I would ever be willing to give up for a closer. Uh, I think that, yeah, like, yeah, Robles, uh, Reynaldo Lopez. Yeah. Like something. Eric Someone Fett, we don't want to give up. <laughs> yeah. All, all top five prospect type guys, yeah. not named Lucas Giolito. So, Which, once I, again, Zach Spedden uh, at the Nats blog. Check it out. Top prospects. Yes, you should. You should check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm using that now. The, uh. Looking now at the at the list of top prospects that Zach Spedden has come up with, so uh, you should check it out. Uh, teaser: the top two are Giolito and Trey Turner. So there's your there's your teaser. Uh, but you should check that out if you're interested in what the organizational looks like organization looks like depth wise and how you can check out everything going on there. So any other pieces to add before we uh, before we wrap up this lovely snow? David Snowy episode of Matt's nice. Talk on the Go. Were there any other questions that we missed? No, that was. I think that was all the ones. I I usually tend to tend to save all the questions. Um, uh, I don't think you saved tacos for anyone. Oh, I did not save tacos. For no, anyone. I promise you that they were no. they were housed. They look so good, man. Yeah, they were they were well done. I have to admit, even though I cooked them myself. Yeah. 
they were yummy. I love tacos. When, oh my God. <clears throat> when I heard that we were going to get snowed in, I was like, you know what? I have to, I have to get taco-y things. That, that, oh, yeah. That's going to be a thing. Cause you know, I'll have, I'll have two days worth of tacos. Well, and by two days, I mean two meals worth of tacos. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I'll have to go on to the next thing as I go and dig myself out of snowy horribleness. Yeah. I did the soup. Soup is always good. I, I should have gone with the crock pot thing. I, I, I usually do when I'm yeah. whether it's crock pot chili or some other sort of like stew type thing. Yeah. I, I just couldn't get my shit together enough to do it. See, I wanted to do the crock pot. I planned to do the crock pot. I had the time to do the crock pot, but my crock pot's not big enough for the soup I was trying to make. Oh, uh, well, that, that's a problem. Then you, so then I had you to just make, have to put it in a massive stovetop pot. Which I have several. Yeah. Um, so I did that instead. I had a nice beef and barley soup. Ooh, beef and barley. Look at yeah. you. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a cook, Joe. I, I, I do the cooking. I'm a Don't cook. I know it? So do I. And, and let's be real. My, my wife made this one. Ah, nice. She rocked it pretty good. So Nice. Um, and then tomorrow is a bean soup, a, a white bean soup with ham. Oh, that sounds delicious. So it's you're really souping. The McHenry's are really souping it up this weekend. I'm going to soup it up a little bit. Uh, there's, I bought the two-pack of the Italian pane bread from Wendy's. Nice. So nice. pretty excited about that. It was warm when I grabbed it this morning. That's always the best. When you go into the to the fresh baked bread section and you picked up the bread that's still warm, you're like, I warm. just want to eat this whole thing right now. Like I almost as to to steal a phrase, I almost housed it right there. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I, I was, probably would have. It was really good. I mean, um, I might have some ice cream after yeah. this podcast. I, I definitely have a significant amount of ice cream. So what ended up happening was I went grocery shopping over the this past weekend because, you know, these are the things you do. You go grocery shopping to get ready for the week before I really yeah. kind of believed that the storm was actually going to happen. Because adult. Right. Because that's, you know, living the life. And you go through and like I, I did, I got all the things, made the list, checked it twice, got home and was like, okay, the storm's going to happen. So on Tuesday, you got to go grocery shopping because you got to get the things for next week because I certainly wasn't going today because I don't hate myself. So I went through and picked up all this stuff. And then it's like on Wednesday, it's like, oh, right, I forgot, I guess. And then you go up through and you pick up like five more things. And then it's like Thursday comes around, and you're like, oh, right, I, oh, turns out I'm out of shampoo and that's going to be important. If I, as long as I have power, I'm going to shower. And, uh, you know, so you got to get that. And then you're like, oh, and then, you know, be good to have tortilla chips in order to make a taco salad the second day after the taco. So I should get it. Nice. So, so I ended up going grocery shopping like four times over the course of the week. And it's like, but now I have like, you know, I have two, two things, of ice cream. I've got all of the frozen pizza. And oh yeah. Yeah. You just, we, and, and in all that time, because every decision I made was like, I was there at the moment, decided to do it. I never put a thing together to do a crock pot thing, which is why it didn't happen. You know, so. you know what I did that I thought was a, a, a pro tip. What's that? Uh, what was it? Wednesday afternoon. I bought a rotisserie chicken. Nice. And just, you know, no plans for it. Just to have a rotisserie chicken. Can't you know? go wrong. And today, lunch, had a quesadilla with said rotisserie chicken. Nice. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah, I, I, love, I love doing that. You, got, you just got to have some, some tortillas around. You use the chicken. Yeah, yeah it's good it stuff. Was, it was fantastic. It was really good. It was really good. Um, real quick, uh, before we wrap it up, real quick. Uh, we are four followers away from 300. I would love to get there like now. Nice. That's that's uh, on on the Pied Piper there, uh, Jay Wirth's beard to to Jay Wirth's beard, who by the way did not know we were recording. Yeah, how does that happen? Beard is know. always on top of it. 
I don't, I don't know. know. It's super weird. It is weird. Yeah. Oh, so so Beth uh, is calling us out for having a food and drinks uh, podcast, and we should probably have her on for a for an at Nat's drinks segment. So I think that's probably you know what, dude, that'd be fun. I, I think it would be a lot of fun uh, as long as she doesn't share her margarita recipe because I want that one just for myself. Yeah, I I've got to be honest. Oh, so I I I want it just for myself, and in, in that I just want to give a bunch of limes and have her make them because she's really good at it. Oh my god! Uh, but. I also want to say, I, I thought about this the other night, and so I'm glad that that, that tweeted. I was at Whole Foods a couple of weeks ago, and they have that, that machine where it's all the fresh oranges, and they just drop in there, and it, it does all the work for you. and No way. To make a fresh orange juice. And I'm like, oh, my God, we need to get one of these for Beth in order to make margaritas. Because you can just put the lemons in there, and it, like, drops in there. It squeezes it for you all down it's, into it's, the it's little It's limes, container. Joe. Limes. What did I say? Lemons. Yeah, limes. My bad. I know it's limes. I'm not that stupid. You just got really excited talking about it. I, I was so excited talking it. about this machine. So we need to and we need Beth's to one of those for Beth. That'd be yeah. that would be that would be clutch. Regular regular uh Beth Dolman marks. That'd be awesome. Yes. So good shout out. Like it. So yeah, and maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do a food and drink segment every once in a while. Yeah, that would that would be uh really nice. Um and I'm sure in the next, you know, month or month and a half or whatever, we'll start planning our next live show. Yes. Uh, which will feature guests. coming up. Well, it's coming up and we have guests that we have to have on. We have, we have charitable guests. I know. I'm excited about it. That get time. I'm, I'm excited to talk to those guests that will, that will reveal. Everything. You know, I'm going to be honest since like, when was that? September? What? Uh, when we did that, I think it was August, but yeah, August, uh, I've had a running note of questions for said guests. That's awesome. So look at you planning far more than me. Well, it's just, I think of a stupid, ridiculous question and I'm like, Oh, this is a question for Fang or this is a question for, uh, the Nana dude. Nice. Yeah. I look forward to that. That'll be a really good time. So yeah. Uh, next show, uh, live show will be happening sometime in 2016. (laughs) Let's just put it there and not be any more specific. Yeah, because I don't want to I don't want to commit to something we can't follow through on. We've been really really good about recording almost every week this off season, so we're doing our best, but uh oh, and speaking of, head over to the new uh that's talk on the go.com website uh that that you can go over to. Soon there will be uh there's some links at the top there that are currently not populated, but we're I'm working on it. I'm working on getting it up, but it is going to allow you to stream the podcast from your uh from your web browser pretty easily in a much prettier setup than it was before. So oh, yeah. uh, you should, you should give that a, go give that a look um, and, and go, go give that a look. See, I guess. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and watch empire strikes back right now. God, and by that's, that's, a, watch, that's a good choice. Well, by watching empire strikes back, I'm just going to like watch two cats out back, like fight. <laughs> nice. Because my backyard is Hoth right now. Apparently. Is it really? Yeah, that's good. Good it's, stuff. It's 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 not nice outside. Yeah, I I I've been sitting in my little closed-in cave with my blinds closed, so I'll be looking forward to seeing what it's uh, what it looks like outside when I yep. when I'm only sign off. So if you're listening live, or if you're listening on uh, on Saturday during this crazy snowstorm, stay safe. Stay safe. Stay, stay warm. Stay, stay safe. Hashtag stay safe. And uh, stay warm. And uh, hope you guys have fun hanging out uh, during the lovely winter weather. We'll talk to you again soon and. I hope that you like the, uh, however, cesspitous signs here in the next 24 to 48 hours. That's right. All right. We'll talk to you guys later.
Thanks for listening to Nats Talk on the go. For more information, check us out on the web at www.natstalkonthego.com or contact the guys at Nats Talk on the go on Twitter. If you like what you heard, take a minute to rate the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Go Nats!